When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty. A minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. LaFleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into LeMaire. Back to LaFleur. Oh! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> You're in the ball. Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle. Une passe devant. Et c'est la bourrée. C'est la bourrée. Ce sera la victoire des Canadiens. pour les Canadiens. Le 23e de l'histoire. You found the dogs. John, you found the dogs. He found the dogs. And all together, they worked a young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground. Your premier gaming destination. It's going to be sick. Marinero, the sick podcast. It is Tuesday, October 10th. And I want to be honest with you in all transparency. This was recorded earlier in the day today. Why? Because my two guests could only make it at this time. And I absolutely wanted to have them on. So I'm going to let you know who's going to be joining me. Today, it's going to be former NHLer Philip Boucher and former NHLer Mike Johnson. I so look forward to these conversations that we're going to have. The Sick Podcast brought to you in part by Energy Transportation Group, a leading full-service logistics provider serving all of North America, driven to be different. And these guys here, brewed in Quebec, a winner of a dozen international awards, La Bitta TV offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. La Bitta TV, embrace your true nature. Also brought to you in part by Playground. Fun and fortune collide with Playground's new Lucky Treasure promotion. Be one of 18 lucky winners every Sunday and take home your share of the $20,000 in cash and free play prizes, including a $5,000 weekly top prize located just over the Mercier Bridge, only minutes from downtown Montreal, it is Playground. It's been a while since I talked to this gentleman. Actually, it was in the summer. And um, I remember he said one thing in particular about a young player who was draft eligible. And I know it's going to be one of the things we're going to talk about. Former NHLer, Philippe Boucher. Comment ça va, mon chum? 
I'm doing really good about you, Tony. Very, very well. The last time I talked to you, you were in yeah. that same room with that yeah. same setting, and your hair yeah. is still slick the exact same way. <laughs> you still got the nice, freshly groomed uh, little beard. You're looking sharp, Phil. You're looking sharp. Trying, bud. Trying, bud. Good for you. Doing my you're, best. You're doing a good job. Thanks for taking it. me at this time of the day, by the way. You're very, very welcome. Thank you for giving me your time uh, because, you know, I, I, I think guests like yourselves, uh, Mike Johnson, uh, you guys are so good. I've told you this before, and I, I told Mike the same thing. I'll take you guys whenever you have uh, a couple of minutes. So thank you for, for making the time. I know our sick army who's watching uh, live via YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, they very, very much appreciate it. All right. Um, La Grosse Controverse au Québec. Have you heard it? No, go ahead. You haven't yet. Well, c'est partout, là. C'est partout. C'est la so. fin du monde. It's the end of the world, my friend. Why? Because Marty St. Louis told members of the media today that Jake Allen will be starting game number one in <laughs> Toronto. So, ça fait des manchettes. Yeah. It's everywhere it's uh, the text messages are going crazy yeah. uh, there's a certain sector of the fan base which is going nuts they're up in arms how could they do this to samuel montambo so give me yeah. your opinion on jake allen starting the first game for the canadians tomorrow night in toronto why do you think or how do you think marty st louis yeah. came to this decision and what do you feel about it well, we, we like young players, right? Fans like young players. Montreal is in, in the rebuilding mode, and we want the younger guys. No, we wish we were going to talk about Joshua. Well, everybody wanted him to be on the team. We want younger guys. But for a coach, they like veteran players. Like They're going to play the young guys. They're going to – Suzuki's still a young guy. Coolfield's going to play. Gooley's going to play and all that. We'll go through the lines. But for, for a coach, you need a little bit of a safety blanket somewhere. And Jake Allen might be that to start the season. Samuel Montembeau, to me, should have been the number one goalie based on what he did last year, given the opportunity opportunity to be the number one goalie. But did he really seize that opportunity? He did well with Team Canada, uh, showed up at training camp. It's a battle with three goalies. A lot of people might say, and people that have seen practices and, and more action than me and maybe you, maybe you go on site. But a lot of people are told me that Primo was the best goaltender in mm -hmm. training camp and deserves to be uh, part of that uh, uh, three goalies uh, setup that we have in Montreal. But to me, that's fine. Jake, it's, it's just one game. It's game one. They're going to be battling for number one. And what's the ideal scenario? Jake Allen is, uh, uh, proves to everyone that he can be a number one goalie. He gets moved later in the season. Montembeau plays well, proves to the organization, you and me and the fans, as some believe that he is already, that he could be a number one goalie. And then you got Primo in the wings waiting to be a number one, where most goalies come into the NHL at, mm -hmm. what, 24, 25, 26. Very rarely they come in at 21, 22. So yeah. Primo might be uh, uh, ready to be a backup right now. Caden Primo was probably the best out of three goalies in camp. Yeah. And now, so what do you say to those who say, yeah, but Marty can't do this to Samuel Montembeau. Montembeau won the number one job last year. Oh, last year. How, how did he do in training camp? And I like Montembeau. I'm sure Montembeau will eventually be the number one goalie. They're very hard to find, right? Primo might become one of them. They've, they've drafted a couple of young kids. We're going to have to wait a couple of years to see how they do in college or junior in Laval, then into Montreal. But it's it, they're playing it safe. It's safe to play Jake Allen, to put the pressure of game one on Jake Allen when Montembeau seemed to struggle a little bit in training camp. It's fine to put RV Pinar on the fourth line to put a little bit of pressure off of him. It's fine to have Gouli on the second pair 
right now to take a little bit of pressure off of them and put that on the veteran guys. It's okay to have some of those young guys in La So to me, it, it, that decision going line in line with taking the pressure off of certain young players and then putting on in in not the the veteran guys in the hot seat. Yeah. But Jake Allen can face the music. He's been there before. Montembeau will probably be the goal in game number two, and we'll get a chance to be the number one goalie for the Montreal Canadiens this year. I said this last night, Phil, uh, and uh, and I felt strongly about it, and I stick by it. Yeah. Samuel Montembeau had a terrible camp. Yeah. He had a terrible camp. Now, yeah. that doesn't take away from the fact that he was very good last year and that yeah. he won the starting job last year. But my, my school of thought is just like what you said. Well, last year was last year. This yeah. year, he did not have a good camp. It's not the end of the world that he's not starting the first game. And I spoke with uh, George Larac and, 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 and Stefan Gonzalez earlier today on BPM Sport, and I told them, I said, you know, for everyone who's up in arms about this, I'm going to tell you right now, I actually think that Marty St. Louis is kind of doing Samuel Montembeau a little bit of a favor here. Yeah. He's not in a good moment right now. It can absolutely ruin him. And it's also maybe in a way, uh, a way of saying, hey, young man, uh, veterans can probably, some right. veterans can probably maybe not have that great of a camp. You know, you need it to be better in camp. Jake is better. And once again, if Jake crashes, Jake's a, a veteran. He'll be able to better deal with it. Yeah. And I know you said that Montembeau will likely play game two. It's funny you say this because we also had this conversation on BPM Sports. And I told Stefan Gonzalez, who told me Montembeau will start game two for sure. I said, hold on a second. What happens if Allen shuts out the Toronto Maple Leafs yeah. 3-0? He makes 42 saves. Well, that's probably the, uh, the only occasion that you might have to keep him in if he does that. But I think when you do have three goalies, you accept you're going to have three goalies. They're all going to need to play at some point. Correct. So I don't like when I coach in, in junior, which was a little bit of different, but I did not like to, to prepare in advance with the goalie coach a schedule like they did for Carey Price, right? Carey probably knew all the games he was going to play before the season started because of rest and this and that. I like to go on performances myself. So I agree with you. If he makes 42 saves and he throws a shutout against Toronto, he should be the number uh, playing game number two. So that might that's why you don't tell them in advance. And if they play really well, you keep them in. But I think they have a plan. They need to have a plan with three goalies. Primo is going to have to touch the ice at some point. There's no yep. way he's going to be watching games for a month straight. And Montembeau will deserve that chance. But it, it is, it is. I, I'm not sure it's to protect them that he's not starting number one for, uh, game one for Montembeau. But it's for sure to send him a message because he was expecting to have that chance. He had that chance to be the number one goal. He has something to send a message. And he has the talent. And, and little by little, he has, he's going to have enough experience to assume that number one role with yeah. a better Montreal Canadian team in the future. They're going to they're, they're struggle this year. It's going to be tough. they got a young group of Ds. Yeah. So to me, to me, I'm totally fine with the decision to, to maybe protect them and go based on, on – not exactly performances, because Primo, again, was probably the best goalie in training game. But you don't want to throw, basically, a rookie against Toronto in game number one. You want yeah, to give Marty, him some time. You want to see him in practice. Yeah. Eventually, you'll put him in when the schedule is very heavy loaded. Then you'll throw him in there. One Or when those two other guys don't perform well. But no, let's hope we don't have to play Primo, because the other two are playing poorly. Yeah, L L Marty's telling Samuel Montembeau, nothing is given here. You're going to have to work for yeah. it. Point ending. That's it. That's all. All right, okay. Um, so once again, Jake Allen gets the start. The decision to have three goalies in Montreal, 
Martin yeah. Sinoui was on RDS's L'Antichambre last night. Uh, and uh, and he said, to be honest, like, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here because I, I, I read yeah. social media, he didn't quite know how to deal with the whole goal, three goalie situation. So yeah. what do you think of it? Yeah. How should he deal with it? Listen, the, the last time, well, the first time, I shouldn't say the last time, I've seen it a couple of times. The first time I ever seen it in my career was my first year in Buffalo. We had Grant Fear was the number one goalie. Tom Draper was the number two goalie. And I was a young kid not playing every night at 19 years old. So with Brad May, Rob Ray, and a couple of the older guys, the younger guys, or scratches, we were playing three on three at the end of practice with Dominic Ashek. So Fuhrer got hurt. Tom Draper got put in the net, didn't play well enough. They said, well, we don't have a choice. Let's try, let's try this guy. And Ashek went into the net, and the rest is history, right? He's a Hall of Famer, won some cups. So that worked out for the Buffalo Sabres at the time. Amazing. Is it going to work out for Montreal? Let's hope so. Again, the only way this is going to work out is if Jake Allen, for the best of the organization and the three uh, the three players involved, Jake Allen plays some good hockey. The contender comes and get him. Uh, for for a cup run or for uh, uh, more consistency or maybe two goalies in the playoffs. A lot of teams go with two goalies now. And then Montabo and Primo are taking over. But for Martin St. Louis, it's going to be tough to handle. And I think one of the other part of that decision that makes it easy for the organization at the top, we have so many younger players in Laval already. You can have a, you know, because you only have a 23-man roster. That's not a lot of players. So not a lot of teams go with twenty with three goalies because of that. But Laval is right next door. We got forwards that are ready to come play. One phone call away. We got defensemen that can come one phone call away. So it's okay to, to, to have one less. Most teams, I, what I like myself is is two, defen- uh, two goalies, eight defensemen, and 13 forwards. To me, that's the best lineup you can have. Because, you, you know, if you're stuck in California somewhere, a long way. You can dress seven Ds. You can play a D up front once in a while. It's hard to do the to do it the other way. But with the but depth of young that's, players and yeah, that's ahead. fine. But would you have sent part of me? Would you have sent Primo? Uh, would you have left them unprotected? Well, they probably were afraid to lose them. That's I probably, think so. that, I, I think they, they, they made the easy decision. The, well, it's a tough decision to keep three goalies, but to send Norlinder to to keep Island, in, it's it's all based on who you're afraid to lose, and it's a good sign that Montreal is afraid to lose some young players because it was pretty yeah. thin there for 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 some time. So I remember, I think this was uh, the last time I had you on, or maybe or maybe it was right before that. Okay, um, yep. it was right before the draft, and everyone was talking about you know the top four or five, mm-hmm. and they were talking about it's going to be Bedard is going to go number one, but then after that, there's another category. The other category yeah. is going to be uh, Fantilli. Uh, the other category yeah. is going to be Will Smith. Uh, the other category is going to be Leo Carlson. The other category is going to be Matvey Michkov. And they would end it at that. And you came on this podcast and you said, hold yeah. on a second here. In that second category, yeah. everyone's forgetting a name. Yeah. And I said, who? And you said, this guy. Let's bring up his hockey DB. His name yeah. is Zach Benson. Yeah. And look at those numbers that he put up in the Western Hockey League in his first season in 24 games with the Winnipeg Ice, 20 points in his second season Mm -hmm. in 58 games, 63 points in his third season in 60 games, 98 points. Not a big guy. He's five foot nine, a buck 75. But you said this guy's talent level is off the charts. You saw him with Hockey Canada and you said to me, Tony. If Zach Benson is available at five when the Canadians pick, they need to pick this kid. Yeah. 
Well, I think I said is they really need to consider him. The only reason I, I would have had doubts is because the size of the player and the role that Cofield's going to play on the team. So you do need bigger guys. But every once in a while, picking a smaller guy, they, they didn't go wrong with Cofield. We know what's going on, and we'll see his career uh, panned out in Montreal. But Zach Benson, I loved him. I loved the way he played in the summer. Uh, they had a U18 and the U20 camp. Uh, group together and they mixed it up and everybody Gouli was there at the time and he, he did he did really well and then at the U17 unfortunately was the normal tournament we had three teams and the women's uh, the national team in preparation for the Olympics were there but he, to me he was by far the best player the most creative player and when push came to shove and big goals were needed he was the one that scored them every single time and and it's funny maybe that's why I'm drinking water uh, t tonight on your show, because I was basically on some of those websites, right? They like to make fun of us and some of the stuff we said. I was, they were questioning if I was drunk on your show when I talked about them. Nah, so tonight, obviously, I'm not. Maybe I had one or two beers that last time. I don't remember, but I think I knew what I was talking about, and I think they know what they're talking about in Buffalo right now. Because when asked why they kept them at 18 years old, is it we want to win hockey games? Or at a stage, we want to win hockey games, and he makes our lineup better. He makes every line that he was on better. And to say that about an 18-year-old means a lot. So I'm not saying here that Montreal made a mistake. Uh, at the time, I said they should consider consider him at five or consider move back uh, to get him, depending on if they were going to go with Mitchkov. And no, the rest, you know, we know what happened. They picked Ryan Backer, and we got to give him time. Yeah, uh, We got to give Ryan Backer time. But a lot of teams are going to regret not picking Zach Benson uh, earlier than Buffalo did. And Buffalo... Maybe they hit the jackpot because they're loaded with talent. And then when you had one that's not a top three pick, that's I think he was ninth overall, if I'm not mistaken. No, no. Uh, uh, no, we'll actually show you where he was. He went further than that. Here we go. Let's bring up the draft where Benson was drafted. And once again, there you have it, 13th with the Buffalo yeah. Sabres. 13th. A lot, Connor a lot Bedard, of teams are going to regret that. Leo Carlson, Adam Fantilli, Will Smith, David Reinbacker, Dmitry Simashev, Matvey Michkov, Ryan Leonard, Nate Danielson, Dalibor Dvorsky, Tom Willinder, Daniil Butt, Zachary Benson. Zach Benson. Wow, 13th. Listen, Buffalo is a team. They're the youngest team in the NHL, I believe, but they're a team that needs to make the playoffs sooner or later. A little bit like Ottawa. Buffalo and Ottawa, to me, are kind of on the same. Like Detroit is getting there. Montreal might be a year or two behind, uh, but they want to win hockey games. They've said it, and they, they're keeping them because they believe he's going to help them win hockey games. We got no. We got to be patient. Will he, you know, with his size and, and his youth, is it, is it going to be too much to ask for him to play three three games, three four games a week? Maybe it's going to be too much, but he's going to have the opportunity. Uh, to do it and he's he's a dominant player very few players have the ability to make everyone around the, around them better and i think zach benson has that has all right that. okay why don't we bring up the montreal canadians lines okay suzuki caulfield anderson yep. doc newhook slavkowski monahan's in between pearson and gallagher evans is harvey pinard on his left and yelonen yep. and pozetta on his right okay um your buddy my buddy our buddy, Maxim LaPierre, had a yeah. wish. He was hoping that RHP could play right wing on the first line with Suzuki and Caulfield. And I understood his logic. Yeah. I didn't agree with it. But his logic was that he wanted RHP to be the Alex Burroughs for the Sedin Twins. A guy that yeah. would come in, high energy, work hard, create space for those guys, be able to yeah. match their intensity. And he also thought that it would balance the other lines. Well, as it turns out, he's fourth. For everyone, yeah. 
in La Province du Québec that also feels that Harvey Pinard is being slighted here by yeah. being on the fourth line, you say what? He's not. He's not. And there's a reason why. There's always a player when you're a coach. When I was in junior, there's always a player. You can't really fit him on the top nine, but you like him a lot, and you end up putting him on the fourth line. And those players I had when I coached, I always gave them one example. When I played in Dallas, two Barnes was the center or the right wing of the fourth line. But at the end of the night, he would play 17, 18, 19, and sometimes 20 minutes because they use him everywhere. So to a player that – clearly belonged to be in the top nine. He would come in my office. I would sit him down. I said, listen, you're probably right. Come to me when you don't play. Come to me when you don't get the ice time. Come to me when I don't have you on the penalty kill, second power play, or when somebody falls asleep on the, in the top six, I don't put you over there. If, you, if, you, if you're on that fourth line and play six minutes, please knock on my door again. But if you're on that fourth line and play 15, 16 minutes, everything is fine. Trust yourself. Trust your skills. Make yourself important. Sooner or later, you're going to touch at those opportunities. He's, he's the first PK, I believe, or first or second PK. He's going to touch the power plays if people fall asleep. Jake Allen starts because he's a veteran. Gallagher is on the third line because of respect, and he's a veteran. He's on the second power play. But if he falls asleep, Harvey Pinar is going to take his spot. So to me, I'm okay with it, and it, it's the same thing. It's taking pressure off of him. Do I think Caden Gooley is the number one defenseman in Montreal? If he's not right now, he's going to be very soon. He's on the second pair, pressure off of him. Take your time. You're still going to play the minutes. I think we're going to see Harvey Pinar play everywhere. And to that reference with Burroughs, no problem there. It's it's in the, you know, who's better to sit in the bus or on the plane to talk to than Alex Burroughs if you want to be the the, the wow. sidekick to the Sedin twins, right? You can sit yeah. with them, you can talk. But Burroughs had a little bit more experience. Give it time. Give it a little bit of time. And, and I think we're going to see Harvey Pinar a possible perfect fit for that first line. All right. What do you think of Josh Anderson on that line? Because a year ago when Anderson yeah. did play with Caulfield and Suzuki, a lot of people said, not sure if Anderson's yeah. IQ is up to speed to play with those guys or yeah. his skill level. We do know he's a big guy. We do know that he plays a north-south game. We do know that, you know, he puts his head down, the shoulder out. He crashes the net. He's effective. But can he yeah. play east-west with those guys? Can he think yeah. the game like those guys? Can he read the game like those guys? Um, so the answer to that is probably no. He doesn't have the same hockey IQ. Do you give them space? Do you give them time? If you do give them space and time, you're going to be effective. If you slow them down, then that's a problem. And he's going to have to finish once in a while because both of them, Caulfield is a hell of a shooter. He's also a pretty good passer. Suzuki can you know, feed everybody on the ice, and you're going to, they're going to be put in some offensive role. But here we go again, back to Harvey Pinard and, and other players and Monaghan center to the third line. When there's four minutes left in the third period and you need a goal, you might see Harvey Pinard instead of Anderson. You might see Monaghan instead of Anderson. But if it works out, it gives the uh, Montreal Canadiens a lot more depth. I'm hope I'm hoping it's going to work out yeah. if he buys them time and space. And, and, and there's some bigger teams on the east side this year. Everybody got a little bit bigger, a little bit tougher, more experience, you know, Ottawa, whatever. Yeah. A bunch of teams are going to be contenders this year. So it's good to have some bigger guys. That's so we can give them give them space because if not, it's not really going to work out. Being a former NHL defenseman who you would see on the power play, uh, you had your share of power play time. I want to talk to you about Matthias Norlander, who mm -hmm. um, a lot of people had you just forgotten about him and said, ah, this guy's not going to make the NHL. And then all of a sudden he comes in this year yeah. 
He's your last cut. You sent down to yeah. Laval, but he impressed a lot of people. What did you see from him? Because one of the things I said on last night's podcast, and I'll stick by that as well, with yeah. all due respect to Justin Barron, if Norlanders are right-handed shot, I think he makes this team, Phil. Uh, I agree. I agree. He was one of the best surprises. He was, I'm not sure he was a surprise to the, to the staff, but he, he did really well. He can handle all situations. He played some good minutes. We don't have a, a quarterback really right now. He's got some offensive skills. What I like is you send him down. You're gonna, he's going to play a lot. He's going to play first pair. He's going to play power play. And when somebody gets hurt, especially if it's a puck moving, it's Madison gets hurt. Odds are we're going to see Norlando back and Barron's going to be watching some games. I don't, nothing wrong with Justin Barron. I don't think he has a dominant side of his game, which is, you know, killing penalties or being physical, cleaning the front of the net, or a shooter on the power play or puck mover. He's a very good player. That's why he's in the NHL and he deserves to be there. But I think Norlando has more potential to, to, to grab a chair. Like my plan likes to say, to grab a chair, have a role on a hockey team. I think Norlander has more potential and we'll see him in Montreal. Uh, fairly soon and one guy I was worried about in training camp was Jack High to be honest he had a really good season last year uh, gets hurt uh, I'm like he's got to be careful there's some good young players in Montreal would somebody steal a spot and that mm -hmm. didn't happen he had a really good camp and that's good really news. good camp like I just talked about with bigger boys out east and, yeah. and everywhere around the NHL it's a very good news to see how the camp that Jack I had. I think Kovacevic had a fantastic camp yeah, as well. He was really yeah. good. You see that fly around my head? Yeah, no. don't worry about it. It's just a fly. <laughs> okay. uh, you're not scared of flies. It's annoying. Hey, hey listen, uh, so am I. Uh, so now you got to put up with me and a fly. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you just said something about Justin Barron, and I like the way you put yeah. it. He's a good hockey player. He's good. He's, yeah. he's, he's good at everything. He's missing an X factor. There's right? a reason you let him go. And there's a reason Montreal wanted to give him a chance, and a chance that, that and he's in the NHL now. He's still a young player. We got to give him time, right? We, you know, and if it doesn't work out in Montreal, maybe it's going to work out somewhere else for him because Mayu's in line and Reinbacker's in line. There's Norlander and there's a lot of uh, Hudson's coming. So there's a lot of good young defensemen in Montreal. It's a good sign that he's in the NHL, but you need to be good, at, really good at everything or dominant in one facet. Yeah, I think he's, he's, he's okay in everything. He needs to be a little bit better. Before I let you go, and we're going to bring in Mike Johnson of TSN yep. in about a minute, I know you have a very strong opinion of Joshua Roy, who really impressed yeah. people over at Hockey Canada with the World Juniors that they actually had him killing yep. penalties, which was yep. something people thought he couldn't do, and he did it very, very well. He looked good at camp. I was a little bit disappointed. I thought they sent him down a little bit too prematurely. Yeah. But what have you seen from him? How close is he? Listen. I went, my son called me on Friday night, Dad, what are you doing this weekend? I said, I don't know. I said, you want to come see me play in Laval? I got called up by Belleville. I said, okay. So I went I went to Laval, watched some boxing on Saturday night, went to the game. It was closed, but thanks to our friend GC, I was able to, to have a media credential to go to the game. And by far, Joshua Watt in the minors was the best player on the ice. And he has, we talked about Benson. I'm not comparing the two, but the one thing they have in common, in common is they, they can make people around them better. Joshua Watt can score goals. We know that. He's, I've known uh, the first time I met him was in Pee Wee. Pee Wee, I was the coach of the Ramparts. He was representing the Ramparts. He practiced with us. And the coach said, this, this is the next guy in the Quebec region, the South River in Quebec. He's the next guy that has a chance. And he was very good in junior, very good in midget AAA, very good with Hockey Canada. The only thing he needs to do is go to the minors. And then the, they have such a full staff in Montreal. Like Francis Bouillon is going to go sit with them, watch from afar, and say, listen, you need to work on this. Work on the details. He's going to get a ton of tons of points. He's got three three 
I wouldn't say very easy helpers, three very pretty helpers. And the thing is, when you go from junior to the pro level, you play with better players. When you go from the AHL to the NHL, and if you can access the top nine, you're going to play with better players, guys that can finish your plays, guys that can feed you. And I think at that level, Joshua, if he keeps working hard, if he commits his game, commits the block shots, maybe killing penalties like he did with Hockey Canada, he can be a very, very effective and good player for the Montreal Canadiens. But give it time. If he comes just next year, that's fine. If he comes this year because of injury, perfect. If he, if he, he, he makes the most of an opportunity that he gets, fine. But if it takes a year or two, it's okay. A lot of guys went that way. Arvid Pinar went that way. Yeah. A lot of other guys have. Hey, Phil, when you played, uh, did you ever go up against Mike Johnson? Did you ever chirp him? Did you guys ever give each other the stick, anything like that? Did he ever did, I, he, did he ever dangle you and score a nice goal? I probably did. He probably did, yeah. Let's let's bring him up <laughs> if we can so that we can. Yeah, there we go. So you guys can say hello to you each like? other. What's up, Phil? No, that never happened. All I remember is Bush could hammer a puck, and so when he'd go yeah. to shoot it, I would kind of want to block it, but kind of hope he went around me as well. Yeah. Trust my boys. He, he shot it too hard for shin pads. Yeah, I wasn't known for my skiing, more for my shooting, but I <laughs> did okay with it for a while. Listen, smoke them if you got them. They do whatever yeah. works. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, Phil, thanks so much for doing this. And, yeah. and uh, once again, we'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. Take care. All right. There See you Mike. have it. There's former NHLer Philip Boucher. And without further ado, making his debut on the Sick Podcast is TSN's Mike Johnson, former Montreal Canadian. And of course, you can hear him call a lot of those regional games on television. Mike is one of my favorite people calling the Montreal Canadiens. And I think he can attest to that because I sent them a couple of text messages over the past couple of weeks, pretty much begging him via text <laughs> message. And here he is. Mike, thanks for doing this. I know those who are watching and those who will be listening very much uh, appreciate it. Uh, Tony, thanks for having me on. Uh, we were just working out my scheduling quirks because I'm a, I'm busy. I got a lot of stuff going on. And so making sure that I am not inconveniencing you, but listen, I love talking to you. I love listening to you. I zoom, I, you know, I, I, I dive in and listen when I'm on the road to hear what you have to say. So I'm happy to be here and pick it up on what Bruce was just talking about. Yeah. We got a million things to talk about. Like you, I mean, I think you probably heard me during the world junior last tournament last year. I was fawning all over Joshua Watt. Like, he is such a good player. He's one of those players that you always wonder, well, will he, can he do it? Is he fast enough? And he just always ends up doing it. He always ends up figuring it out because he's got a brain. He's got a brain that's better than everyone else and some sick, sick hands. So, um, yeah, I think he'll, he'll get a look at some point. He, he's one of those guys that will score points in the minors if he plays in offensive situations. But I'm curious to see over the next year how he grows physically and what he plays like in the NHL if he gets to play with better players. And, Mike, those are players that Marty St. Louis is absolutely crazy about because ever since he joined the Montreal Canadiens, first as an interim coach, and then, of course, they removed the label and he became the head coach, he talked about some of his concepts. He talks about how he wants his team to play. He talked about how he wants his team to practice. And he talked about the brain. And he talked about how important a tool that, and Marty's not a big guy. Marty was an undrafted player. Marty was, once he got his debut in the National Hockey League with the Calgary Flames, then he was put on waivers. And we all know he went on to have a Hall of Fame career. Marty couldn't have done it, obviously, without his talent, but without his brain. So many people thought he was too small to play in the National Hockey League. And so many people think that Joshua Roy was too slow to play in the National Hockey League. But you overcome those obstacles with your brain, because if your brain can get you to places on the ice where other people won't go because you think it and see it and react before they do, then that's all the difference in the world, right? That That's it. And, and the thing we always need to remember, when Marty got to the NHL, he didn't become small. 
He's always been small. Like he only ever knows being small. And Joshua Wah, he didn't become not a fast skater when he got to the NHL. He's always been not a fast skater. And yet they find ways to make their game work for themselves. So, um, yeah, I, I think what I found curious about Marty, and, and Marty and I go way back. We were in college the same four years. So I didn't play against Vermont, different leagues, but we tracked the best players. And Marty and Eric Perrin, the, his little buddy, they were the two stars at Vermont along with Tim Thomas that led them to, to prominence those years. And then when he came down to Tampa, I was already in Tampa. And if you could believe this, like Marty was angling to try to play with me. <laughs> it should have been the other way around, clearly. But, you know, at that point I was playing, I think, with Vinny, the Cavalier, and he wanted to play in the top six. And it took us just a couple weeks of, of practicing with Marty. And when we're at, we're at dinner with some of the guys, Marty wasn't there. And he had just come over from Calgary. And somebody's like, I think he's the best small player I've ever seen. And I had played with Steve Sullivan, who was a really good smaller player. And I'm like, yeah, he might be. And at that point, he's playing six minutes a night. He barely was getting on the ice, but you could tell it was in there. But when I listened to Marty talk last year, the one thing that he spoke about, which I, I've always sort of debated internally, Tony, is that can you teach hockey sense? This idea that it was sort of always innate, either you had it or you didn't. Either you're watching a lot of hockey growing up and it just kind of is there or it's not. And you can be an NHL player and a good one without great hockey sense, but he thinks you can. And I find that fascinating that he thinks you can help improve, teach, coach hockey sense, which um, it's always kind of been a, a gray area, whether that's even possible at the NHL level. Yeah. One of the things they like to do in practice is they like to have a lot of small sided games so that your reaction time has to happen a lot faster because you guys always got somebody on you and you're in small tight spaces that can improve hockey IQ. I'm wondering, and I never asked Marty this, and I don't know if I, if I would, if he would tell me, but I'm wondering if they do anything with, in terms of neuro tracking or in terms of science to try and improve that hockey IQ, because I know that those are certain methods that in certain places in Europe that they do use. Right. Yeah. I mean, I know like, coaching the sophistication of coaching has come so far i mean i retired what 14 years ago or something and they're doing stuff that was not even heard of back then but like you can you can picture the athletes in the front of a light board and they're trying to recognize lights and react to different stimuli and have their brain process information faster and yeah that that like that is that works like i i remember you know we we were training a long time ago tony we're like not year 2000 and like Eric Lindros was there. We we're at Chris Broadhurst was our trainer in the least read his clinic. And they had at that point cutting edge stuff where like it was a screen where the dots lit up on the, on the, on the screen. And then you had to move your feet and touch the dots kind of, like, you know, same kind of idea. And we were all going competing as athletes and, and as the hockey players. And let's say we're doing it in 30 seconds. It was the fastest guy. I remember a female tennis player. I think Sonia J. Seelin, former Canadian tennis player, she jumped on there and didn't like 22 seconds. And we all were like, what is going on here? So I think there is, and it, she wasn't bigger than us. Yeah. But she was used to doing it and processing faster than us and having her body react to the, the stimuli. So maybe that is something that you can get into to maybe help that development. Seeing as you played with Marty, we all know how great a power play player Marty was. I mean, Marty was a great player, period. But on the power play, I mean, he was absolutely lethal. Uh, yesterday in practice, there, there were some images that were taken that showed that Marty was giving a lot of direction to the power play and was very involved. 
Uh, going into the season, Alex Burroughs is their power play coach. He has been since taking over from Kirk Muller. Unfortunately for the Canadians' power play over the past couple of seasons, they haven't had great stats. One year they finished with the second worst power play in the league, and the other year they finished with the fifth worst power play in the league. The good news for Burroughs is that the Canadians have not been very good for the past couple of years, so that kind of explains it. But how do you see this whole thing shaping up in terms of the power play? Would would you suggest that and, and ultimately the head coach is the guy that has final say should marty get more involved if he does does that mean that burroughs feels less involved how would you manage this whole thing if you were can't use so i would first say there's probably two parts to coaching a power play in the nhl right one is what your team's doing one is reacting to what the other team is doing like a pre-scout so Burke, Alex Burroughs could probably certainly do a, a pre-scout and say, okay, we're playing Ottawa. This is how they penalty kill. This is where they pressure and preparing guys like that. That I think, and that would be on his portfolio of things that he's supposed to take care of because Marty can't do everything, doesn't want to do everything. That's why he has us in coaches. But the other probably more important part of the equation is what is your team doing and, and coaching your team's and philosophy and systems and, and whether it's Marty talking to Alex Burroughs and then Burroughs communicating to the power play group, or whether it's Marty cutting out the middleman and saying, listen, I'm, I'm going to talk to the power play. Alex, you're going to be there listening, and it's going to be a collective, collaborative message, but it's coming from me, and then you drive it home as I leave the room. Um, I think that's fine. Like I, I think Alex Burroughs is comfortable enough in who he is as a coach and who he is as a person and player to not get offended that somebody else might have another good idea. Nobody and- should be so presumptuous to think that they have every answer, even if the guy was a better player or he's been a longer coach, everyone has different ideas. So um, I would make complete sense for Marty to become more involved because the one thing about Marty as a player was funny, Tony, because it took him like 10 days Mm -hmm. of becoming a regular. Like once he got off the fourth line and started playing in the top six or whatever, like within a week, he was up in intermissions, him and Vinny and Brad Richards going back and forth. And like, we need to do this. He'd be in John Tortorella's office saying, we need to do this. Like he has ideas, good ones. And so once he was comfortable as a player, he was, he didn't care. He didn't care about anyone's feelings. He was just trying to become as well, as good as he could be and as good as a team could be. So I, I think it'd be probably the same sort of philosophy as a coach. It's like, yeah. don't hurt anyone's feelings. Just, you know what? Get the best group on the ice. Problem is two things. Do they have a who's the who's the quarterback? Is it Suzuki? Is he the half wall guy? Like we know Cole's the shooter. Yes. So I guess I, it's Nick, I guess it's Nick. Okay. They don't have a really a point shooting threat. I think Arbor Jack guy probably shoots it best, but he's not really a power play guy. So they don't really have a, a a point shooter facilitator at the blue line. Maybe it's Mike Matheson. Maybe it's him. But you know, it's you can have all the best systems in the world, Tony. If you don't have the personnel to apply it, then what are you going to do? Yeah, I think they're a couple of years away from adding Logan Mayu and Lane Hudson. And, Lane and Hudson. I think their, their power play is really going to fly. You know, John Tortorella clearly thought that Marty St. Louis was a good mind because when he coached in Columbus, he hired right. St. Louis to be his consultant. And those are great points that you mentioned before because I think of Doug Jarvis, who was an elite p- penalty killer in the National Hockey League. He was running a power play. Manny Malhotra who was a very good penalty killer and face-off man in the National Hockey League. He's running power plays. And the last time the Montreal Canadiens had a great power play, well, Guy Carbonell was the head coach of the team, who obviously was one of the most elite penalty killers in the history of the game. 
mind you, it helps when you have a shot like Sheldon Surrey's. Listen, Tony. And it helps when you have Alex Kovalev. They were so good, I didn't get to go on the power play that year. <laughs> That's how good the power play was. Wow. And I know it was me. And the, that year, Tony, Radic Bonk was my centerman the year I played in Montreal. Yeah. And every single day, they would call the power play meeting, and they'd write the numbers on the board to go to the meeting. And every single day, they'd put 14 and 20. Every single day. So for the first, like, six weeks, we went diligently, sat there, and listened to the, the meeting. And every game, we never got on the ice. So, and why would you? We had the second best power play in the league or something. But so finally, out of a fit of protest, we're like, you know what? We're not going anymore. Like, we're not going to waste our time because we're never going on the ice. And uh, Carbo, of course, comes running. I was like, where are you guys? Like, get in here. We're like, Carbo, what are we doing? Like, we're never going on. Like, we don't need to hear this. We're not going on ever. But uh, it's hard to argue when you have, uh, you know, where we were 26% or something, second best in the league. So, yeah, Shelly shooting bombs from the point. Like, that obviously helps matters a little bit. Um, what did you think when you saw the news over the wire? couple of days ago, uh, it was Sunday afternoon that Yoel Armia uh, was put on waivers along with Gustav Lindstrom. Here's a guy who has been in the National Hockey League for some time, signed a four-year deal at $3.4 million per season. A big body on a team that can always use one, but has lacked a lot of consistency and maybe even passion uh, on some nights. Uh, w- were you surprised? I was. Because we're always surprised when a prominent player goes on waivers. You know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't happen that much because it's a, it's a bitter pill because the organization is acknowledging we screwed up. Now, it's not these guys who screwed up, but we screwed up giving him that contract because he's obviously playing at a level that we don't want. We're willing to eat the money in the minors as opposed to having him in the NHL. There's that. That's my first thought. The second part, thought part is... Pardon me, Mike. It probably helps because the contract came from a previous management. Oh, 100%. Right? It's yeah, not yeah. our guy. I'm like, yeah. we're cleaning up someone else's mess. Absolutely, yeah. Tony. Don't think... That that sort of stuff isn't in the ether of the minds of the of the all, Got it. all yeah. around the league. Second, I'm like, I feel bad for y'all, Armia. Like he wants to be good. Is you know whatever's going on in his in his game, it's it's not working. But like, sucks to go to the minors after you've been in the NHL for ten years, no matter how much money you make. But the third part, and this is the part that matters most to Montreal, it immediately drives home a level of accountability that all the words in the world cannot deliver because right now it's like okay, whoa gets everyone's attention if you deserve to be here if you earn it we're not going to stop you from being on our team we're going to make tough decisions eat money financially whatever because the guys that deserve to be here get to play here and i think that is a message that is hard to deliver in the nhl and i think some people would say for me it's probably overdue that that was was sent um to the room and to him mm-hmm. but it's um it would get everyone's attention. But also, if you're a bubble guy or a guy in the minors, it would make you, respectfully to, to Joel, it'd make you excited. Like, okay, listen, if I outplay people, I got a shot. And that's all you can really ask for. Mike, I want to bring up the Montreal Canadiens lines for you for a second here. And here we sure. go. We'll bring them up. <clears throat> all right. Uh, Suzuki, once again, has Caulfield on his left and Josh Anderson on his right. Doc centers Newhook on his left, Slavkovsky on his right. Monahan with Pearson on his left, Gallagher on his right, Evans with RHP on his left, and either Yelonen or Pozzetta on the right. I'd like to keep them up if we can. Kirby Doc last year like was a perfect fit playing with Suzuki and Caulfield. His production was great. They looked great. It was it was magic out there, right? But when they went out and they made that trade for him, Jeff Gordon. Kent Hughes, Marty St. Louis, maybe even Vinny LeCavalier, they saw in him 
a guy that, you know, was very much a centerman and either a number one centerman or a number two or a 1A or a 1B, but he and Suzuki were going to be the guys going forward. Even though he put up a lot of points, there he is to start the season back at center because that's where they see him. But this team has a lot of centers. Newhook is a center who can play wing. Monahan's a center who can play wing. Um, Pretty soon, Dvorak will be back. Who's a center? Would you have been tempted by Doc on the wing, considering that they don't have a winger right now mm-hmm. who can do what Doc did and produce the way Doc did? I mean, of course, you'd be tempted, but I wouldn't have. I you mean, wouldn't. listen, I was a winger, so I don't, I don't want to dump on wingers, but like we're easier to find than centermen. It's way more important for Montreal going forward. And I think you have to understand, as everyone does, as Marty would, and be secure in your job that they're not there this year right Montreal's not going to challenge for a Stanley Cup they're not going to probably even challenge for a playoff spot they're still about growing so how does this team become the best version of itself two years from now and I think that would be Kirby Doc becoming a solid second line center in the NHL he's shown he can be a essentially a first line winger but can he be a second-line center, help drive offense himself, not just work with other really high-end players, but maybe be the go-to guy? And if you look at the line he's on with Newhook and Slavkovsky, he's going to have to be the facilitator. He's going to have to be the guy who helps those wingers get involved in the offense. And I expect, you forget how high he was picked and how tough his start to his career was with the wrist injury and all the rest of it. Yeah. Like, he, he's still figuring it out. But when I watch him, we did the three preseason games there last week, and he's a monster on the ice, big and strong. You, you kind of forget how physically imposing he can be. Yeah. So I would have done the same thing. Like, honestly, I, I, I look at the lines right now, and I look at the roster and who's available to them. I don't know if I would have done almost anything different except, you know, I don't know what their plans are for Tanner Pearson, you know, Harvey Pinard could push maybe higher up in the lineup, play in the third line, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I probably would have done the same thing. And like, am I concerned about the second line scoring? Of course. Because Slavkowski doesn't generate a ton on his own. New hook hasn't scored the NHL level. Doc figuring it out. Am I concerned about the third line being a little bit slow? Of course, because they're all not super fast skaters. You know, like these are concerns, but this is what you're working with. Yeah. Um, and you hope that Harvey Pinard can knock Pearson or Gallagher out of that spot. Yeah, that, that's what I see happening. Mike, I think that RV Pinard obviously has the potential to supplant Pearson, and they may invert to a lesser degree, but I think it's possible that Yelonen could do the same thing with Gallagher. Having said that, I mean, I think it's less of a stretch. I, I think if Brendan Gallagher is healthy, he could still produce more than Yelonen. But it's also a question of, and I had this conversation with Eric Engels, um, a sportsnet, sportsnet.ca last night, was that Eric was saying, that he thinks that Pearson and Gallagher probably would mesh better with Evans than they would with Monaghan. That remains to be seen. We'll find out. But, uh, you know, I want to get back to Doc for a second. I'll tell you this, because you rightfully talked about where he was drafted third overall. There are several members of that staff, let me just put it that way, who believe that of all the players on the team right now this year, the highest ceiling is Doc. Hmm. There's more than one member of the staff that believes that Doc 
is the one that has the highest ceiling. And if you go by the draft, it, it points to that. Right. He went third overall. I know Slavkovsky went first, but we can also make the argument that if Doc was uh, draft right. eligible, the Slavkovsky was maybe Doc is first and and Slavkovsky's not. But what, what what is you talked about him being a second line centerman? Mm-hmm. Who does he remind you of? Mm. In the league today, yeah. Oh, let's see. I mean, I have to kind of scour real quick. I mean, could it be a lighter version of Pierre Luc Dubois? You know, Dubois not like Dubois maybe a bit bad. meaner. Doc's a bit faster. Dubois got really good hands. So does Doc. Like maybe someone like that could be a, a potential comparable, which would be a, a heck of a yeah a, a comp to, to be. Pierre Luc Dubois, um, who also plays a couple of positions. Yeah, he, he can play you know on the wing or in the middle. And um, the only thing I like about Pierre Luc Dubois is he's mean. I don't know if Kirby Doc is mean yet. You know, he's got to realize how strong he is. Like when you run into him, yeah, you sit down. But you know, Pierre Luc Dubois gets a little greasy every now and then but um you know maybe someone like that um i'm trying to think around yeah it's can he be and i'm gonna bring up an elite player here can he be another version of a ryan getzloff gets he had better hands yeah gets he was so mean and and so and and think about ryan getzloff he looked like he's playing in slow motion until you tried to catch him Really? Yeah. No one could. Yeah. Like yeah. He was a fast skater when he wanted to. He just liked to do everything in slow motion. I was almost going to say without the shot, like, like again, another really good Zabanajad. you know, Zabanajad's a good one. Zabanajad like can shoot it better than doc by a mile. Like that one timer or something special, but you know, same kind of body, same kind of heavy plays with good players. Like that maybe is like, if he could grow into the absolute ceiling, maybe something along those lines, uh, maybe a little bit less than gets laugh, but the point is, the fact that we're tossing these kind of names around tells you that the physical package of skills yes. is borderline elite. Can he wrap the intangibles intensity? Can he wrap the health, the confidence? And what do we talk about at the beginning? Like the brain. Yes. Can he, you know, can he, can he figure out the offensive side of the game? So, um, But I want to see him try, and I would be hesitant even with injuries. Like, dude, you're the second line center. We'll switch your wingers around. And yeah. you can play on the power play with those guys, but like you are going to log 20 minutes a night and you're going to play against Austin Matthews and Tim Stutzla. And like, you know, you're gone. We're not going to hide you from Alex Barkov. Like this is what you're going to get. And there'll be some tougher nights and some tougher moments, but you will be better for it. Um, I think, and, and I don't know if we're going to stress too much about the stats, Tony, because like given his wingers, like should, should we expect 60 points out of him? It, it, given his wingers, it might be tough. Might be tough. All right. Okay. So the rebuild. You talked about it before, and they've made no bones about it, right? When they came out at the golf tournament, Jeff Gordon, Kent Hughes, Marty St. Louis, they all talked about growing individually, growing as a unit, growing as a group, growing as a team. The goal is to get better every day in all of those categories. Mm-hmm. But where do you think we are here in terms of the rebuild? Because they they said, yeah, you know, we'd like to make the playoffs, but is it the be-all, end-all? Where are we? Because the way I look at it, and I'd love to hear your take on this, is that I think they went through the worst, and I think they've turned the corner, mm-hmm. but they're not at a point where they're picking up speed yet. But they've turned but, that corner. But the thing, Tone, they went through the easy part. Like, stripping it down is not hard. 
Like, you know what I mean? Like becoming a bad team and trying to dump bad contracts and like, you know, building from a clean slate, that's not that hard. Arizona just went through it, right? The yeah. hard part is then finding the players you can build back up with, not making mistakes with your picks, using your cap space wisely, all that stuff that the opportunities that you're provided after you strip it down. Yeah, so they've, they've stripped it down now. Armia would have been one of them. There's there's probably a couple of contracts. You know, you love Brendan Gallagher. His contract's a tough one right now, um, you know, that, that are not optimal on their team. Mm-hmm. But I, I think they are, you know, they've bottomed out. But it's this is the hard part, though. Like, how do you balance, you know, try everyone wants to be competitive. But you're still trying to grow and think long-term. But in the moment, everyone's just trying to win in the moment. I yeah. think they are probably two years away. So this year and another year, and then come talk to me, whatever that would be, the 2025 season, yeah. 25, 26 season. And then we'll, we'll see where they're at, but they still need things, right? Do they, with Sam Montebo legit tone? You think? Well, he's he's not the starting goaltender tomorrow night in Toronto. And by the way, here in the province of Quebec, it's caused a little bit of a of a, of a, of a, of a yeah. It's a, it's it's almost scandalous. It's almost scandalous <laughs> because the whole thing here is Samuel won that number one job last year. Yeah. Did he deserve this? And I say this, and I just talked about it with Phil Boucher. A, I don't think it's the end of the world. B, unfortunately for Sam, I don't think he had a very good camp. As a matter of fact, I right. think he had a bad camp. C, I also think that this is Marty St. Louis basically telling us, he said it, he said, for tomorrow night, I think Allen gives us a better chance to win. Right. And and because Allen's shown that he's more, was more ready in camp. And you know what? Montembeau is going to play. It's not because he doesn't start the game that he won't end up being the number one this year. Sure. They have three goalies. They're going to, it's going to be quite a juggling act. It's no, so a couple of thoughts. One, I get totally get what Marty's doing and respectfully to Sam Montembeau. He doesn't have the body of work to cause a kerfuffle. If he doesn't start like he's, you know, he was better last year. Okay. But that was the first year he's ever had like a save percentage over 900 in the last like seven years of hockey. Like it was a great season, like a top 12 in the NHL kind of season, but it was just one. Jake Allen's done a lot of things for a long time. So, you know, I, I he surprised that. me, by the way, because when they acquired him and they picked him up off waivers from Dude, Florida, I was like, no. "I said this guy's not in any trouble." No, I'm with you. Yeah, and yeah. the best part was when he would get interviewed, and he's like, "I want the spotlight." I'm like, "Are you sure? Are you sure you want Montreal yeah. right now, given the yeah. stats and what I've seen in your career?" But credit to him, he believed in himself. When I certainly, I'm like, "I don't. I've not seen anything in his background that says he can do this on this team." And he did. Um, but well, you know, he'll play. 41 games. Like, I mean, they're basically going to split them or who knows? Like, are they going to play 27 each? I mean, I played Tony briefly with Arizona. Mm-hmm. We had Sean Burke, we had Brian Boucher, and we had Ottawa Senators goalie coach Zach Burke, Skid Row, Sebastian Bach's brother. Quite a, a lot of great stories on the play mm-hmm. from him. But for probably four weeks, four or five weeks, we had all three guys of varying degrees of health. And I'll tell you what, nobody was happy. Like, not the goalie coach, not the starter, not the backup. Nobody was happy. It does not work. I don't know. Like, you know, I guess Kitty Primo's happy. He's getting a one-way. He's getting paid. Yeah. And he's in the NHL. I, I, don't know th- I, don't know this, I don't know this for a fact, Mike, but I think that if Allen could be picked up, and that's it's a pretty big contract for where he is at this stage mm-hmm. of his career, if he could, two young guys could push each other, could compete against each other, can battle it out 
And that's not the ideal way to go when you have goalie duels. Usually it's a younger guy with a mm-hmm. veteran, but where they're at in this rebuild, maybe that's what it's at. I, I'm not sure, but I can't wait to hear because yesterday Marty said on RDS's Auntie Sham, he said, to tell you the truth, I don't really know how to deal with the three goalie situation yet, but we'll figure it out. Yeah. Ask your goalie coach, figure yeah. it out. But like, like in Arizona, we had it basically one goalie went on before practice for 20 minutes, then punted. The two goalies that were playing in the next game then did the whole practice. And then the starter punted. And the guy who was waiting for an hour to come back on the ice then would come back on after practice and get extra work. Is this, it's not, it's not, it's not right. Mike, I so enjoyed this. Thank you for accepting the invitation. Thank you for agreeing to be a collaborator on the SIG podcast. Uh, this is going to be a treat for Montreal Canadiens fans. We're going to have a lot of fun throughout the season. Thank you, Mike. All right. Pleasure's all mine. That half an hour flew by in a hurry. So yeah, yeah. there you go. There you have it from TSN television. And uh, he provides color, of course, the Montreal Canadiens regional broadcast. There you have it. Mike Johnson. Once again, for those who missed it, uh, this was, uh, although it was live on YouTube, on Facebook and on Twitter, uh, we, we set the time for that. It was recorded earlier in the day to accommodate um, Philippe Boucher's schedule and to accommodate Mike Johnson's schedule. And so I, I definitely wanted to do that. All right. Okay. So uh, Marinaro, uh, at that point, uh, I, I want to want, once again, thank everyone for watching, everyone for listening. Very much appreciate everyone taking the time, of course. And you are my sick army. You are my sick community. Tomorrow night is game one of the NHL season for the Montreal Canadiens who are going to visit the Toronto Maple Leafs in Toronto. And uh, Jake Allen is going to be the starting goaltender. And uh, here we have it. Uh, you know, there's, it's caused a stir. This is the beauty of Montreal. That's it. This is it. So for Agnello, Sammy, and Juliana at Master Control, they're Cavallaro. I'll be back tomorrow night. Same time, same place. 10 p.m. right here on the Sick Podcast. I'm Marinaro. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinaro on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination.